Hey, many of you know the name John Harper, Pastor John Harper. Pastor John Harper was a Scottish pastor. He was on a, a boat coming across from Scotland to preach at Moody uh, 100 years ago, and he happened, the boat he happened to be on was the Titanic. He had just lost his wife, and he, so he had a six-year-old and his niece to come to Moody, and he had his niece there to take care of the six-year-old while he was preaching at Moody, and the ship went down. And uh, the Titanic went down. He secured his, his daughter, and he secured his niece, uh, and then in the water with a life preserver, he took off the life preserver, uh, John Harper, and started encouraging Christians, if you know you're going to heaven, give up your life preserver. Everybody doesn't have one. He gave his up. Uh, and the person he gave his to, he said, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And the guy's just looking at him for giving up his life preserver. And before Harper went down, um, uh, the man prayed to receive Christ with him. And uh, that man ended up giving his testimony about Harper, and that's how we know the story. And there were others, apparently, that gave up their life preservers. And the, the real key for me with Harper is, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Uh, th this passage today really is about sacrifice, and and uh, first thing I want to look at uh, is who who uh, who are you spiritually grateful for? Grateful enough that you thank God for them? And yeah, my wife for one, she led me to Christ, uh, never ever badgered me after we we're married to have d devotions in the morning, and she'd be sitting in a corner reading her Bible every morning, and I wasn't. Uh, I came to Christ four years prior to that, and I still wasn't. Sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't. And it just it first irritated me that she was in the corner having devotions in front of me um, in the morning. And then I realized, okay, I need to do this. And now I finally said, what do you do sitting there? And she said, I, I just read four or five verses and take some notes and then journal it. And I said, okay, could you do it out loud with me once? And watching her do it. And I learned how from her to do devotions. Another person that I'm thankful for, and we, we had a thankful night uh, about six months ago, just me writing down the people I'm thankful for. Nobody in the room made the list, I just want you to know here. But people I'm thankful for, and um, one of them was Bill Billingsley. Bill Billingsley, the founder of, of Sheridan House. And Bill Billingsley had a rule, and I've told this before, 2,000, max 2,000, no more than 2,000 in the church. Every time he hit 2,000, he planted a church. 27 churches he planted including Potential Church, including First Baptist Weston. I mean, all over here, 27 churches? And he'd send, you knew it. He'd say, if you live out in the Weston area tonight at church, I want you to come and sit in this section, and there'd be a couple hundred people. And he said, you're done here. Uh, I found a school. I'm going to go there 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings and come back for here at 11, and I'll be filling the pulpit, and you got a year to find a pastor. And it was just amazing. And this same amazing man... I pulled up after breakfast, uh, met, met somebody in the parking lot at Sheridan Hills for breakfast, and we went in his car, we came back, he dropped me off, we were going past each other, stopped and talking, and I said to Vic, where are you going next? Vic, Vic Miranda, where are you going next? And he said, uh, we're talking to our cars, and the maintenance crew is uh, planting uh, hedges in front of the child care center, and they're all in their dark blue, light blue, and the man closest to us gets up, because Vic says, I'm going to work out, and he says, I have another outfit like this. It was Bill Billingsley president of the Florida Baptist Convention. He was planting hedges with his maintenance crew. I've never met anybody like him. He was a, when I became the interim there, and when I become an interim, I asked for the finances because I want to know what I'm getting into. And I remember saying, this is all he made? And the, the CFO at Sheridan Hill said, 
Uh, but that's not the real story. The real story is he's a 50% giver when he died. Wow. He knew where he was going. Are there, is there anybody thanking God for you or for me? This passage in Colossians we're looking at. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray, every time we pray, we're saying thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for them. Thank you for this church at Colossae. So the obvious question here is, to ask yourself is, do you think there is anyone out there that when they are praying, they are thanking God for you? And, and one of the people for me is my grandma, my grandma in Colorado. Um, she was a Christian. She was my mom's mom. And uh, when my mom died, we lived in New York, right outside of New York City on Long Island. And when my mom died, uh, my grandma came, and I'm the oldest grandchild, and she was, you know, she was aggressive with the gospel. It was hilarious how she was a farmer in Yuma, Colorado, and she was aggressive, and she kept sharing the gospel with me that weekend of the funeral, and I was brain dead. And then she would write letters, and she and my dad didn't get along, so I never, I never saw her again the rest of my life from 16 on. Um, and then so... She, was, uh, she would send me letters sharing the gospel and send me letters sharing the gospel. I'd make fun of the letters. When I was in college, I'd read them to other people my freshman year, and well, what is this, and I'd make fun of her. But I always read them. And then uh, uh, sophomore year, Rosemary led me to Christ, and I wrote her a letter. And I could tell by her letters back to me she didn't believe it. Uh, and so she, she'd still be sharing the gospel and give me verses and on and on and on and on and on. I was, 20-year-old brand-new Christian and send me a Bible and once sent me a check that was the exact amount I needed to buy books. I was in shock. And uh, we were going to go out to visit her as a family when Roby was 12 and Tori was 15. But before we did that, uh, Jim Kennedy at Coal Ridge asked me, she was in her 90s and she was in a home uh, retirement center and in, in the Denver area, and uh, Dr. Kennedy asked me that one time to fill the pulpit at Coleridge, and so I'm filling the pulpit at Coleridge. I didn't know that my grandma watched Dr. Kennedy every Sunday morning. Yeah, and she's sitting there in the home, 91, 92, watching me, calls my Aunt Judy, who was a, a, a senator uh, for uh, Colorado. You gotta come, you gotta come, Bobby's on, Bobby's on. <sighs> Finished the broadcast and went to heaven. He wanted her to know. He wanted her to know, finish the broadcast, and my aunt called and said, it was, it was just unbelievable. There was such a peace she had for you. And then my aunt, my aunt Judy is like my mom, hilarious, because none of us thought you were a Christian. It was just so awesome. How, how, oh, Bob, I got this. I got this. So thankful for her, so thankful for her. And, and I got to tell you, people are watching you. People are watching you. Your walk talks, your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You can say anything you want to say, but they're watching you, and they're watching. Are you, aren't you, are you, aren't you? It's the, it's the sweetheart that lives next door. She just moved up from Hialeah um, uh, two years ago, a widow. Uh, she's the only one in my neighborhood older than me, uh, so I'm, I'm grateful to have somebody older than me in my neighborhood. And when the hurricane came and the fence went down between the two of us, I'm in a zero-lot line community, so it's our fence. Fence went down, and uh, a friend came over and put it, up, put it back up for half price, uh, and she kept coming over and saying, 
I, I need to pay for half this fence. And I said, well, first of all, my tree knocked it down. Uh, second of all, I got it at a great price. Stop. And she said, no, no, I need to. And she kept coming back, and she bypassed me and went to uh, Rosemary and was asking her, can I give you money for this fence? And apparently she's well-to-do, and she just couldn't understand it. And Rosemary finally said, let him do this. And she and Rosemary have become very close since then. And my grandchildren, Roby's kids, will go over and bring her, bring her cookies. Yeah, it's like your walk talks, and your talk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. They need to see we really believe this stuff by the way we respond to our community. Yeah. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love and your love for all God's people. It, it, it wasn't for what they were doing for him. No, we've heard what you're doing around you in an incredibly diverse culture. Everybody was in the house, in, in that church. Slaves, slave owners, Greeks, Jews, barbarians, everybody's there. And because of their commonality in Christ, oh yeah, it's an amazing picture right here. He, he wasn't thankful for, thank you for taking care of me. No, their faith was visible. Your walk talks. Your walk talks. So important to know that. They're watching. They're wanting to know. They're wanting to know. Yeah, my faith in Christ must be demonstrated in a way that people can see, wow, he really believes this Jesus stuff. He really believes it. That was, that was it for me with Rosemary. Wow. She didn't, you know, remember, I, I went to college in the late 60s uh, when they were burning bras. It was a very, very different revealing culture, except for this missionary named Rosemary. She dressed very conservatively. And I watched her walk out of two fraternity parties. I'm done. And I, I remember our fraternity, I went to college in Knoxville, our fraternity uh, rented a chalet in Gatlinburg, and I said to her, uh, we're, the whole fraternity's going up for the weekend, and we're going to have a party all weekend. I can't stay for the weekend. And I said, really? And we were, I mean, I'm a Christian, and we're just kind of starting this thing of us. And she, she said, I'll go if you bring me back Friday. And so uh, I knew once we get up there, she has no options, to be honest with you. So we get up there, and uh, quarter of 11, she says, you need to take me back. And I said, Rosemary, nobody's going home. And she said, well, there are other boys that'll take me back if you want them to. <laughs> oh, and she was right. And I said, all right, I'll take you back. And I, I said, I'll go get my car. I'll meet you out front of this, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, there's four girls I'm driving back. I mean, she went and cleaned the room. And I'm driving back with four girls in my little Plymouth Valiant uh, and uh, drop them off at their dorm. And I'm the only one in the fraternity house for the night and realizing she really is all in on this. She really believes this stuff. Wow, how do I get there? Yeah, can they tell you're a Christ follower by the way you talk? By the way you talk. And the funny thing is, I mean, I had a foul mouth up until 40 years ago, but I gotta tell you, it's still in there. And every now and then, it's on the verge and I remember saying to Rosemary, uh, wow, I got so mad today, 
it almost came out, and uh, I can't even believe it. It didn't. I kept it in there. She said, so, but God heard it, right? Would you give me a break? Why? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Did you? Can they tell you're a Christ follower by your servant's spirit? By your servant's spirit. I mean, are, are you a foot washer at work? In your neighborhood? Wherever you are, by your servant's spirit. Can they tell you're a Christ follower because of your radical, because you are radically generous? I think right now this is probably the most important area. Are you radically generous? Are you just generous? And can I say, when you're out to eat, are you generous? Stupid generous. Stupid generous. We're, because hopefully they see you pray before you eat and don't think they're not watching. And, and they're, are, are you the cheapest tipper on the planet? Oh, God just sent somebody a message on that. Wow. Yeah. Generous. Radically generous. Can they tell you're a Christ follower and you have to fill that in for yourself sometime? Because of what? Yeah, remember, this church in Colossae, they had nothing in common, so many of them. It's just hilarious. I, I, one of the commentaries made a list. Greek, barbarian, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, men, women, slaves, slave owners. And yet it was working. We don't have to have the cultural things in common. And you know what else? We can have different opinions. It's all okay. In fact, i got to tell you, sometimes different opinions on uh, different things in the Bible other than Christ is the only way and some other different, what does this mean? I think that's valuable. I think that's fun to debate it. And I remember when I was speaking in Raleigh, and Roby was in, in uh, college, and we go up, and he, I'm having lunch with the pastor, who's a well-known pastor, and Roby says, can I go, I want to ask some questions. And this guy's great. It was Providence Baptist Church, and he's on the board at uh, Southern Seminary, which is the largest seminary in the world, where Roby went eventually. And Roby said, uh, Pastor Horner, do you believe in predestination? And, and uh, David Horner said, is it in the Bible? And David said, and Roby said, yeah. And then, so do you believe in free will then? And Roby said, and the guy said to Roby, is it in the Bible? It was great. And Roby said, yeah. He said, yeah. How can you believe in both? They're both in the Bible. Just because I can't work it out, it'll get worked out in heaven. Amen. I mean, this is amazingly complicated. He spoke the, word, the world into existence? Spoke it, no sweat equity. Spoke it. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. And David, your book on blood and what blood really means, uh, it's a little too intellectual for me, but the rest of the staff are loving it. Um, your book, uh, how complicated this whole gig is, and we're going to get to heaven, and Rosemary and I have debated a lot of things about heaven. She thinks there won't be marriage in heaven She's married to me in heaven. She has no options. Uh, it, it's sad. She said, well, that, well, that might be hell for me, though. I mean, <clears throat> bottom line, I, I said, do you think we're going to instantly know everything in heaven? And she said, I don't think so. I think it's going to be fun. I think we're going to go to chapel every night, and we're going to go, oh, oh, oh. Who are you, Father? Abba, Father. And 
we're going to see how all the difficult things in your life ended up working together for good. You know, Bob, you, you were so mad at me for so many years, and your dad, Bob, your dad was mad at me, God, uh, for 40 till his final day and accepted me uh, because I took your mom. It changed your life. It gave you a sensitivity to women in need because your mom had cancer for all that time. It, it, it formed your ministry. Don't you see that? And my mom's going to be sitting there nodding her head. My mom was a believer. Yeah. And your love for all God's people, not just some of God's people. And you have to understand the grace of God to get this. He just handed it to you. You didn't earn the life he has for you here and the amazing, unbelievable life for there. And Paul had to know. Paul had to absolutely, positively know. I know a glimpse of what I get in heaven. So if I, and he says in Philippians, if I have to live, I'll live for Christ. If I get to die, it's all for me. Done. I mean, he wrote that in Philippi. In 1 Corinthians, this love thing. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Faith, my faith in the power of God, not just faith in the existence of God, the power of God, the love of God, and, and hope. My hope is not, boy, I hope this works out. My hope is totally latched to heaven. Done. And, and then love, the love of Christ. And love is something expressed. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's an action. It's what I do. Love is what I do. And the, and the rest of, of uh, that passage in, Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians is all about this is what love is. This is what you do. This is what you do. This is what you do. And one of the things that love is, love keeps no record of wrongs. Wow. In other words, love forgives and moves on. Love forgives and moves on. And I confess, there are times I, 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 I forgive and then it gets back in there while I'm driving around and I have to do all this little talking to myself of if I, if I, if I could talk to them and pop, move on. And the greatest love is forgiving someone when they haven't ever asked for, for, for you to forgive them. You just forgive them anyway. Because of what you did, Lord. Wow. When my life is rescued by Christ, my assignment is to spend myself learning what it means to love. Is to spend myself. Is to spend myself. And, and you know this verse. Probably the most famous of all verses in the Bible, John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. Me. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And 1 John 1.16, 1 we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? And it doesn't say sees a brother in need and they deserve help. No. No. This is it. Harper didn't know that guy when he gave up his life preserver. He didn't know that guy. What he knew was, I know I'm going to heaven. He doesn't. Here. And that act right there, and this verse is in here, Ephesians 5.25, to us that are husbands. Husbands, this means love your wives. How much, Lord? How much am I supposed to love her? Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I do. No, no, Bob, let me finish the verse. And gave up his life for her. Wow, that's uh, 
Yeah, you're right. It is maturing. I think that was your quote, actually. It, it is maturing. When you have Christ's love in you, you'll put yourself aside. You'll express your sacrificial love toward others because of your love for God, not necessarily your love for them. Yeah. Oof. And don't you want to hear? You, those of us that have children, and you see one child, the first times they're sharing, you know, and, and having Roby's kids and watching the seven-year-old share with the five-year-old, and I took her aside, and she's amazing. I took her aside. That was so good. What They call me Pippi. This, this is how I know Roby's not a Christian, though. They call me Pippi, and Roby taught Tori's kids. It's not Pippi. His name is Pee Pee. <laughs> and they knew it wasn't true, but had fun with it for a while. They had permission to use the word Pee Pee because of Pastor Roby. Really? Help me here. But taking her aside and saying, that was amazing. What, Pippi? That you shared you gave it to him. You had it. You wanted it. You gave it to him. But he didn't say thank you. I know. Makes it even better. You did it for Jesus. You did it for Jesus. And watching her little brain try to grasp that. Yeah. When you have Christ's love in you, you'll put yourself aside. You will express your sacrificial love toward others. Why? Because of your love for God, not because they deserve it. Not necessarily even your love for them. Harper didn't know that guy when he gave up his life preserver. It's, it's at its best, Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, when you look at, to get a view of what God's done for you, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. I was thinking about this earlier this morning. Without a doubt, for me, one of the greatest expressions of this, I don't know how he did it, but this is what makes him Abraham. Waiting till in his 90s to have a child, finally has a child, and God says, take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him. And Abraham... I mean, the next morning, he didn't say, you know, I need to fast. I'm going to fast about this for a week. This is a miracle child. We're in our 90s plus, and a miracle child. And how will I come back and tell Sarah I, I sacrificed? Wow. And it says in Hebrews, he knew the power of God, and he knew as he did that, if he did that, when he did that, that God would, would resurrect him. He knew. He trusted he trusted and takes him up there at the last minute. God sends that ram caught in the, in the thorns. Stop, stop, stop. Stay your hand. That. Wow. In view of God's mercy, in view, of, and this is a man who had a huge home in Ur of the Chaldeans and left with his, fam, his dad and the family business and spent the rest of his life in a tent. You're not called to live in a tent. You're not called to feel guilty about what you have. But you're called to be empowered to be radically generous with what you have. Radically. Radically. To the point that it's a sacrifice. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing. Holy and pleasing. And holy and pleasing to me means holy is the right motive. 
I'm doing this for you. I'm giving this up for you. Not to have somebody say, wow, thank you. Holy and pleasing to God. And the pleasing to God is, way to go, Bob. Way to go, Bob. I know sometimes, son, because of the home you grew up in, your security is in your bank account. And you're being gentle. I know. I know. This is pleasing to me. This is your true and proper worship. We, we have a privilege individually, regularly, to worship by letting it go. Letting it go, being generous. My assignment? No. My privilege is to live in a way that points people to the love of Christ. That points people to the love of Christ. Why would he do that? Well, because of his love for Christ. Because of his love for Christ. Yeah, my walk talks. My walk talks. My walk talks. It's not enough to talk. They've got to see it in my walk. My walk talks. Colossians 1.4 For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And, I wouldn't add to Scripture, but as a result, your love for all of God's people. And the next verse says this, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. I'm grateful that one of the things my dad did, uh, my dad was great with money, and he, he, he just taught me uh, to not have debt, don't have any debt. And, and he taught me, you know, when you buy a car, pay it off. And by the way, you know, pay it off quickly, quickly. And to pay off your house quickly. And I'm grateful for that um, because I knew then life would be better later on when I didn't have all this debt. It's even more here. It's so much more here. Yeah, and, and it's been funny watching people want to weigh in on Katie Sullivan's car uh, that Calvary Chapel gave her uh, a week ago. And Katie Sullivan's a single mom. I told this story last week, but watching. And then hearing at the desk, people step up and want to buy her her Sheridan House license plate. No, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. And I mean, almost a battle for who's going to pay for this license plate for her. And by the way, many of you bought the license plate last week. Thank you very much for that. The whole picture here is this little girl weeping and weeping. Why would they do that? And saying it again to me, I don't deserve this. And Doug Souter said, you're right, none of us deserve. And when she said it to me, again, you don't deserve this. I said, what did Doug say? He told me nobody deserves it. I said, you're right, Katie. This is all him. This is all him. This is Aunt Jane and Uncle Archer in Korea never coming back to the five-fireplace home in Williamsburg that Aunt Jane's family left her. A, a, a mansion, ever. They never came back. They kept it, and I went there one summer for a week. And, wow. And she didn't have hot water in the little thing in Korea. Wow. Wow. It's Mother Teresa in Calcutta when that very, very wealthy man from England came over to deliver her a brand new white Rolls Royce. And for the week or days, or I don't know how long he was there, she drove around in it with him. And then the minute he left, she sold it and put the money into the orphanage. But she didn't insult him. She was just kind in the way she handled it. People are watching. People are watching. So my first week as the interim at Boca Raton Community Church, um, I also, prior to that, was down in, in uh, Hallandale, South Hollywood, actually, doing my monthly Bible study for Kelly Chevrolet. 
I would do a monthly Bible study for the mechanics and Bill Kelly and his staff that wanted to be there, he'd buy him lunch, similar to what you do for your people, Charlie. And um, I flipped him the keys to the car, and honestly, the car he gave me. I flipped him the keys, and I said, can I get an oil change while I'm here? And so he takes the keys, and uh, I come out of the Bible study with him, and my car's still there, uh, and I said, did you do the oil change? And he says, we're out of oil. <laughs> I said, the dealership is out of oil. I said, you're going to have to take a loaner and leave it here today. And he walks me over to a Daytona 500 Corvette. <laughs> and I, this is Tuesday. I call him Tuesday afternoon. Is my car ready? And he says, we won't have any oil till Friday. You've you got to drive this around. So I drive up to Boca Raton, my first time teaching there. Yeah. In, oh, gosh. And, and I'm pulling in. And I'm not parking where they want me to park. I'm parking on the back. And I caused more commotion than I realized. And somebody came up to me and said, wow, things must be doing really well at Sheridan House, huh? <laughs> and I had to change cars with Adam, my son-in-law. You drive the Corvette. I want your car. I can't be driving around town. People are watching. People are watching. Which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And no, I don't want a Corvette in heaven. You have had, that shouldn't make you feel bad about your Corvette. I, this is just for people in the ministry, you know. So. <laughs> when I looked over at him laughing, I realized, oh, this is too good to do, this is too good. This is two weeks in a row for you, wow. Being pounded. You, <laughs> I can't even read scripture now. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth, the truth of the good news. The truth. I know what I'm getting. Yeah, they loved tangibly by sharing. Their sharing was motivated by their love of God and their confident hope of heaven. Give it up here. Store it up there. Yeah, listen to Matthew 6.19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Yeah. Verse 6 goes on. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's, being, it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it has changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood, not just heard, and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. How, how cool is it to get your name in the Bible? Wow. Our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant. He is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for your about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you, that the Holy Spirit has given you. Yeah. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom because you will be attacked. Because you will be attacked. And can I say, it's not about the car you drive. It's not about a Corvette. That's not, it's not. I have a second home in the mountains. And I call it a cabin. It's not. It's a really nice home. 
in the mountains. And, it's, it's, and, I, and I don't feel guilty about it. Well, you should feel a real guilt, but I, I, it's, not, it's not about any of that. It's the, it's the side of me that people don't get to see. Are we generous? Are we generous? Are we generous? And we will be attacked. Yeah. Here, we get an important call to pray for each other, especially when we are in times of seeing God's, God do great things around us. When God is doing things around us, wow, we need to be praying. Yeah, we get an important call to pray for each other. Praying about the inevitable attacks. Praying about the inevitable attacks. But not only that, as we pray for each other, pray for their humility. We need to pray for, for humility for each other. And pray for, and here's the biggie, their continued unity. The more successful we get, the more we will focus on the successful things rather than the one who gave us everything we have. Successful things. I learned about 10 years ago that one of the biggest ministries Sheridan House has is when people come to town or come out to see us, how did this happen? And I, and I learned that all the angels in heaven are leaning over. Is he going to take credit for this? It's all God. I was driving home from the old campus. Lived out here in Rock Creek. Driving home from the old campus. I was at the, it was 9 o'clock at night. I was at the light at uh, Sterling and, uh, you don't care, University. And I'm a, I'm car in front of me, me, and the car behind me didn't put their brakes on and rear-ended me. And uh, so we're there and the police come and, and we're standing there and we're all able to drive our cars. And so the other two people, the officer goes, and I noticed an officer standing on the median watching. And the officer gives them their, their licenses back to go, and I go over to him and I said, can I have my license? And he says, uh, the Sarge has yours. And I said, what does that mean? He asked for your license. So I went over to him and I said, um, can I have my license? And he's smiling, and I get my license. And I said, can I ask you why you had my license? And he said, I recognized your voice from WMCU. I wanted to see how you handled this. And I, being stupid, I said, how'd I do? <laughs> and he says, well, you're not in handcuffs, are you? <laughs> and I got in the car and I was driving home going, wow. Are we kidding? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Verse 10 says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And as God produces little fruit and realizes, I, I I, I'm incapable of producing fruit. He did that. He did that. He did that. And how did you do that, Lord? And well, I, I'm, I'm capable of doing so much more in fact, I'm capable of doing exceedingly and abundantly beyond all you would ask or imagine. Uh, uh, but the verse in Ephesians after that, all glory to God. He can do so much more. I'm convinced when we get to heaven and we get to meet the biggies, we're going to go, really? That's Moses? That's Abraham? That's people? Really? Oh, yeah, they gave it up for Christ. As you go out of here today, be a noticer. 
be a noticer. Be a noticer. And just imagine your Abba. Well done. Well done, son.